an honor and a privilege to be in the Lord's house today. Uh, those of you who don't know me, I'm Shannon Hayes. I'm the pastor of uh, Connections and Home Group and uh, acting senior pastor for a little while while Pastor David's on a sabbatical and uh, just thrilled about what God is uh, giving us the privilege to do uh, during this time. We're going to be looking at our study in Galatians. Pastor David uh, spoke last week on uh, uh, legalism and following legalism. This kind of is, it just kind of adds to that just a little bit. We're setting us free. I want to teach today and uh, uh, proclaim today how you can live free, how you can live in freedom. We have so many things that bind us down in this life. We have so many things that, that hinder us and, and, and stop us from, from experiencing the joy. If I ask you to raise your hand, and I don't want you to raise your hand, how many in the Christian walk just don't live with a full joy in your heart for some reason? I think God wants us, I know God wants us to live in joy. He wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to live in hope. And we can do that through the truths that we find and not adding to that, but allowing us to bask in the glory that is in Christ and Christ alone. So if you found your place in Galatians chapter 5, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit more of your calisthenics this morning, and we're going to stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word. So stand with me this one time. Unless you're physically unable, please remain seated. I'm just going to read a portion of this passage that we'll be preaching today. But as verse number 1 says, and I'm reading from the King James, uh, the New King James rather. Uh, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled with the, uh, again, with the yoke of bondage, indeed, I, Paul, say that if you being, uh, cir- become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again and e- to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be, by, uh, to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly await the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything but faith works through love. Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. I pray that you would uh, remove my stammering tongue, that you would fill me for the task that is at hand before us today. God, that you would be magnified, that every man, woman, boy, and girl would receive the word that you would have for them today. I pray for that one that's here and have never trusted Christ as their Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. I pray those who are living under some kind of ritual of man would uh, uh, throw that off and pick up grace. And God will give you the praise, the honor, the glory 
that you be magnified. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. I think all the children have got out. I just want to make sure I didn't see a, a whole lot. But as we think about this, the, the, uh, the church at Galatia had started well. They, ha- they had been running well, but then they were hindered. Some Judaizers started coming in and teaching them that they needed circumcision. And I thought about this. I said, this is not really something that's very prevalent for today, that we don't sit around and we don't talk about that. But how does that relate to things in our own life? And so we'll be talking about that. Some of that is church membership, giving to the church, those kind of things. If we do that to merit something, I'm going to give so I can get. I'm going to do so I can get something back. That we start doing rituals, we start attending, or we start doing this, or maybe serve. I'm going to serve in that ministry, and that's going to get me merits with God. You know, one thing you need to understand that he loves you sitting there. He loves those who led this worship, but he doesn't love them any more than he does you because you're just sitting there. And if you understand that, he, he loves you where you are, but he's got a task for you. But what we're going to be talking about today, what we're going to be speaking about, is we're going to learn how to, uh, how to stand firm in the faith and the grace of God. And then we're going, I have from the University of Georgia, I have a starting block, and they told me to put it over there and run all the way across, but I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll get in that in a little while. Then we're going to run, and then we're going to walk. Kind of reminds us of our Ephesians study that we did uh, on... uh, uh, On Wednesday night, sit, walk, stand, Watchman Nee's book. But that's kind of the way Paul writes a lot. He writes with analogies of maybe sports or different things of that nature so it can get our attention, so we can understand that. So to move into our our, our message and we think about it, we first start by standing firm in freedom. You've been set free. If the Spirit, therefore, has makes you free, you are free in Indeed. A couple of you got that. Okay. We'll get better at that. So stand firm because Christ has set you free. Not because you showed up today, but because one day you put your faith and trust in Christ and he set you free. He gave you hope and he gave you uh, freedom there. A couple of sub points that we'll look at under that is we have been set free from the law of, and its enslaving power. You know what? The law had a purpose. The law was to teach us. It was kind of our tutor. You ever had a tutor? Man, I grew up with tutors. Man, I, I, went, I, I went to school, and then I went to a tutor. I went to school, and I went to sit in some cubicle with somebody trying to tell me how to learn. And I was 35 years old before I ever learned how to learn. <laughs> uh, so now I hope I get to catch up. But as we think about it, the Scripture tells us or the law told us that we had sinned. Grace set us free from that. Grace set us free from that. Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Or the old King James said, and I like it, said, God forbid that we do that. 
God forbid that we would, we would walk in that grace that way. We would, but we want to walk in the, in the grace of God and the freedom that we have in Him. When a person believes in Christ, he is set free from the law and its enslaving power. We could go back to part of uh, Pastor David's study a few weeks ago in Galatians chapter 4 and look at a few verses. Uh, Galatians 4, 4 tells us, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. That we're the children. I have two boys, and guess what? They're my boys, whether they do anything or not. There were times in their life that they didn't do a whole lot. There are times in their life that they do a whole lot, that they serve and they do great things. But every now and then, their mom and myself, uh, Kathy, we'd have to tell them to do something more than one time. I love Samuel's phrase. Samuel says, Mom, you don't have to tell me but one time in six months. He said, I'll get it within the next six months. That's kind of what he says. <laughs> I'll get it within the next, uh, next few months. Just tell me one time. You don't have to keep repeating that. But, uh, w- but we, do we not love them? That's the way God, God loves us, but he wants us to, to follow him, but he don't want us to get into a legal trap. He don't want us to get into a legal trap that I have got to do this. I kind of grew up in that, and I, I was saved in a very legalistic church, I, there were probably about four years that I didn't even wear shorts because it was a sin. Now think of that as a 20-something-year-old just got saved, and they told me that me wearing shorts was a sin, and I believed it for a little while. So we had to grow out of that. I, I, there's some notes on the bottom there. Kathy bought me a devotional one, one year, many years ago, uh, Grace Awakening, I think on the bottom of the, the notes is uh, Chuck Swindoll's uh, Grace Awakening, and that set me free, that I didn't have to live in legalism. The first church I ever pastored, my youth pastor came into church uh, on a weekday with a pair of shorts on, and I told him, don't do that. <laughs> I went back and apologized to him later, uh, but so if we're not careful we start using outward appearances. My hair was too long. When I got saved, my hair came down below my shoulders, and, and uh, the church I was in thought that was the unpardonable sin. So I, I want you to know that, that God loves us in spite of us. He loves us in spite of our outward. He starts on the inside. What we would do in the legalistic church was clean everybody up on the outside, and then they were dead men's bones on the inside. But what God wants to do is get our heart right, and then it just starts showing up in our smile. It starts showing up in the joy that we have in Christ. It starts showing up in the the experiences that we experience with Him. He told us in Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, and you shall find rest. You will learn and, and find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what? If we're not careful, we put a yoke of bondage on people, uh, of expectations and those kind of things. Does God love us more when we do that? No. 
Romans 8, 2, the latter part of it says, And Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. He set us free. First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5, 21, the latter part of that verse said that he might uh, make, a, make the righteousness of God in him, that he wants to make you righteous. He wants to do something great in and through your life, not through outward, not through church. You know what? I, I think, I believe with all my heart, as the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, it tells us to fail not to assemble ourselves together as a manner of some is, even the more so as you see that day approaching. I'm not sure about you, but I see that day approaching. I think it's time for God's people to show up at church. It's not a legalistic thing. I think it's a biblical thing. I think it's something that we ought to want to do is come together and adore. Thank you for the worship today. Thank you, team, that I want to adore him. Literally, I got peace about standing up here when I was thinking about adoring my Savior who loved me and gave himself for me. I got peace about coming and, and sharing. I had peace, but I was real nervous about it. But it was because I was just here to adore Him. Because it's all about Him. Everything we do is all about Him. It's not about you. When we start making it rituals about us, that's when it becomes a burden. That's when it becomes a hindrance. That's when we start falling short. That's when we start suffering. That's when we start realizing we cannot. Do not, number two there under that, do not be entangled with the yoke of bondage. In the book of Galatians here, they had, they had been entangled, and he tells them there. He says, don't be entangled again. You were there but don't be entangled again. Don't bring it back. Don't bring the law back into the picture. That's what the Judaizers were doing to them. But then he says, standing firm in being justified. In verse number 2 there, Paul said, indeed. There's a couple other phrases that he used there. Uh, if you're reading the ESV, it says, look. If you're reading the, uh, the, here it says, behold, the ESB said, uh, listen, that New American Standard's the one that said, look. I'll get that right in a minute. Uh, all those ran together. But it, it was an important factor. Paul was saying, it's time to listen up. I'm getting ready to tell you something of great importance. You, you don't get entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't get entangled again. And then he says, hey, this is important. Listen up. You know what? Every now and then, I, I look over a congregation, not right here. Everybody's got their head down, and uh, maybe somebody's asleep or something like that. And you go, oh, listen up. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen up. This is an important point, and you've got to get it. So people, we've got to listen up, because he says here, he said, listen up in verse number 2, or indeed, I, Paul, say unto you, um, if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. So, uh, in essence, in today's terminology, 
if you become a ritualistic Christian that is, I, I know it's, we, I'm glad that we're having the communion today. Because some people put the communion as part of their salvation. Some people put baptism as part of their salvation. It's just an evident of the outward. Guess what? If I take this ring off, am I still married? You know what this ring is? It's a symbol. It says, hey, he's married. I've been married to Kathy, and she's somewhere over. Is she here? There she is. She's married. I'm looking at my family. Um, I've been married to Kathy. This year will be 35 years. Woo! Hallelujah. My silver fox. I just had to say that. But this is just a symbol that one day we said I do. Baptism is a symbol saying I, am, I die with Christ. I am buried and I am resurrected. It's a symbol of what happens on the inside. It doesn't do anything. And it's okay if somebody wants to renew their vow or renew their commitment to God and do it again. That's okay. Somebody will criticize. Some people will criticize you for doing that. That's okay. You don't need it. But it's a good thing to say, hey, I'm doing it again just to be sure. I remember uh, William preached a message here, and we had, I don't know, thirty a bunch of people got baptized. And some of them were new just for... Uh, some of them had been baptized before, but we don't do that to gain Christ. We don't do that. When we start adding those kind of things, uh, those kind of rituals, that, hey, are they important? Is baptism important? Say amen. Is uh, the Lord's Supper, communion important? Say amen. Those are important, but when we start adding them to the elements of I'm not a true Christian if I don't do this. Then we're, we're, we're falling away and we're of no effect to Christ. We're no effect to Him. Stand firm in being justified. Romans 3.20 says, For the works of the law, no man can be, uh, will be justified in his sight. By the works of the law, nobody's going to be justified. We cannot be justified. Do not rely on outward actions for justification. I am no more justified because I'm standing up here preaching to you today than you are sitting there listening. You need to understand that. Guess what? You are as important as Pastor David or myself here standing here. You are as important because guess what? This wouldn't be any good if you weren't sitting there, would it? Just imagine we showed up and nobody else showed up. Be of no effect. But it takes all of us to fulfill that. And do not, do not rely on outward actions to, to think you are being justified. That's why he tells us there to listen up. This is important. I, Paul. This is the New Living Translation of this verse. Let me read it to you. I like it. Paul said, I, Paul, tell you this, that if you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. 
So if you're claiming anything else to make you right with God, then Christ does not benefit you a bit. Then it doesn't benefit you to do that. It doesn't benefit you to do that. So when we rely, this is number two under that point, if you want to take notes. I know it's hard to follow all these words because I've got a lot of verses. But uh, when we rely on outward actions for righteousness, we sever our we uh, estrange ourselves from Christ. The ESV used the word sever. We sever ourselves from Christ. It means to be cut off from him, that we are of none effect to him. Let's, let's look at that word. The word enslave means to render entirely idle or useless. When you start adding one thing, are two things, are adding three things. When you start adding something else to me being a good Christian, I've got to do this, or I've got to do this, or I've got to do this. We don't. We get to do this. We get to do this, and we get to do that. We don't have to. We, we, we have a done religion. I don't like even the term religion. We have a done Christianity, that it was done. Jesus said it's finished. The work's completed. I love Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we could brag on it, or we could boast about it, but verse number 10 is there also, we are, that we are conformed to his image unto good works, and that's kind of my paraphrase on that, but unto good works. We're not saved because of it, but we are saved unto it, to do it, to carry out. Does that mean because of grace? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat this several times. Because of grace, should I continue in sin, or should I continue in rituals, or should I continue in this? God forbid that you do that. God forbid that you do that. Standing in grace gives us hope, and it gives us life. We're severed from him. We're cut off from him. I'm going to talk a little bit more. I want you to get this because the next thing kind of is where some false teaching comes into play in the next uh, part of that verse. Uh, number three under this says, when we rely on outward actions of righteousness, we have fallen from grace. Now, if you use the whole canon of Scripture, we find out we cannot lose our salvation. But if we pull this one verse out and say, hey, right here it is. It says I can fall from grace. You know what this, this literally means that we have stopped uh, operating in grace's form. And we have walked away from the grace of God and start relying on ourselves. Let me just read a, a footnote here. To fall away means to drop away specifically. It does not mean to lose your salvation. Rather... When you walk in ritualistic actions, you're stepping away and walking away from God's, of the grace of God. You're just stepping away, and you're not under the grace of God's umbrella anymore because you're relying on your own actions. And guess what? We've already found out over and over in this passage that we cannot... Uh, by rituals or by circumcision, by anything, 
be right with God. So you've fallen from grace. We, we are trusting in. This means that we are trusting in church membership. My name is on the roll. Church membership. Giving money. But I gave. But I prophesied. But I did this. The Lord's Supper. Baptism. Even church attendance. Those are all good things. But when they start putting coming into play against what God wants us to do, then we have ceased from following God's grace. We've, we've ceased from experiencing God's umbrella of grace in our life. We can trust Him and we can rest assured because there's so many other verses and I don't have time to that, do that. This means that we have stopped trusting in grace and started relying on outward action. That's what it means. It means when we start doing something else, we're stopped relying on grace. We're starting to trust in outward actions to fulfill God's plan. So we stand firm. Number uh, one there was stand firm in freedom. Standing firm in being justified. No, I don't even think I told y'all that, did I? But y'all saw it on the screen, right? Slow down. Stand firm in faith. Because that's what it is. It's faith. So we're standing firm in the faith. Stand firm because our hope of righteousness is by faith. Verse number 5 there. It says, for we through the Spirit. Let's stop right there. The hope of righteousness comes through the Holy Spirit comes through the Holy Spirit in our lives and working in and through our lives, allowing His power and His presence to work in and through our lives so we can rest assured. The Holy Spirit stirs hope and gives absolute assurance. The Holy Spirit stirs in me. The Holy Spirit stirs in you to give you that assurance uh, as we sing and we uh, adore him and we lift him up and we've come into his house to gather in his name to worship him, the Spirit of God starts flowing and the Spirit of God starts reassuring that this is what it's all about. We come in here as an audience of one. This wonderful worship team that comes in week after week, many different people that come and serve in that, they're not here to entertain you. We're here to look to and entertain God. You're to entertain God in your worship. Don't come to church ever and say, okay, God, bless me if you can. Okay, God, I've come to church to bless you today. I'm coming to church to bless you today, not with my presence, but with my worship. With my worship. So realize and allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you. The hope of righteousness comes through Jesus Christ alone. Let's look at the rest, part, rest of that verse. We have come through the Spirit and eagerly await of the hope of righteousness by faith. And in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision availeth. But faith works through love. So it's through Jesus Christ alone and then hope 
Nothing, absolutely nothing can provide the sure hope of righteousness when, uh, within Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ alone can provide the hope of righteousness. It's not through yourself, it's not through your outward, but it's through Him. The hope of righteousness comes through by faith, through love. That's what the last verse a verse, a last word of verse number six is faith through love that we can rest assured in that hope. So we stand firm. We stand firm in our faith and we run in truth. We stand firm and we run in truth. I kind of got this starting block here. I don't know how this will work, but I'm not going to run. I had it over there where I could get on that handrail. You know, when you do this, if you've never done this, my two boys ran a little bit. They ran track and they ran cross country. You don't use one of these very much in cross country. <laughs> You're standing out on dirt, and I'm kind of scared to even get down here. But as you watch these runners, they get down, and they get set, and they're standing firm. They're, they're, they they want to move. They want to get ready. They're running. They're getting ready. They're standing firm. So they can run and accomplish the task. So we can get a good start. Standing is a good start. Standing firm in the righteousness of God will get us off the block. Will get us off the block. It will get us out there running so we run in the truth. We don't run in, in, we don't run in our abilities. We run in the power of the Spirit of God. That's where our hope comes from. That's where our hope lies. Verse number 7 said, you did run well. Paul's telling the Galatian church, you started off well. You ran well. And if you've ever watched uh, uh, people running around a track, every now and then somebody gets out of their lane. So I ask you, what's hindered you? What has hindered you in your run? Maybe a death in your family. You know what? Satan throws all kinds of curveballs at us. The, the passage, the word there, let, let's just look at it. I'm going to read it. Who hinders you from obeying the truth? The word hinder means to cut off. That's what runners do. When they're getting ready, I've watched these guys. I've, I've gone to all the, these races. And like right at the finish line, you've got somebody, and somebody's about to pass. You know what? That's an illegal move. It's an illegal move. What does come in front of you and cut you off and hinder you? And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to use rituals. He wants to use circumstances. He wants to use so many things to, to cut you off or to hinder you from running well. It may be that things just didn't go the way you wanted may just be that you, you're, you're not relying just on God's grace. I, I made the statement in here, and Bucky did the same thing around Christmas. We were talking about, you know, around the, the holidays, if somebody's passed away and maybe there's somebody that's not going to be there, we let, we let somebody who has passed away, who's in heaven rejoicing with Jesus, hinder us from enjoying Christmas. I mean, that, that's something that's real close to us. It's tough. I've lost my, 
I lost my dad when I was 14. I lost my mom in 2019. But I tell you what, when COVID hit, I got the peace <laughs> about my mom's death. I said, thank you, Lord, my mom's in your presence and not down here through this garbage. Thank God that my mom's in your presence. So that's what Geraldine, Geraldine, <laughs> she came to me. She came to me after my mom passed away, and she says, joy's coming. I said, it's not here. I said, it's not here, but I'll let you know. And every now and then, I'd pass Geraldine on the road, on the walking in and out, and I'd go, Geraldine, it's not here yet, but it's coming. And then one day, I came to Geraldine, and I said, Geraldine, it's here. <laughs> joy showed up. Now, it was a year later. The real joy of knowing that everything's going to be okay came a year later. But I didn't let that hinder everything else that came in between. We still care. So what hinders you? I use that as an illustration, but here, this is real. Uh, ritualistic things that we allow to hinder us from God, that we've got to do this or we've got to do that or we've got to do that, but we're running in truth, obeying the truth for this race. This Christian life is a race. Who hinders you? The, the Galatians had been running and running well, but when they, from when they first heard, they believed. They believed in God's love. They believed in God's righteousness. They believed in Christ's death alone. And then something came along and started hindering them from running that race. Started hindering them from running that race. The Judaizers came in and started teaching the heresy that you've got to do this. I thank God for living hope, because we don't have a whole lot of that. There's freedom here. There's freedom here. There's not judge, judgment here. We do not judge people for, well, you messed up. Well, I can't believe that. We're not going to love you anymore. God doesn't say that, so we can't say that. Somebody messes up, you know what we ought to do? We ought to love them and lift them up even more. We ought to encourage them and help them a little bit more. They were not thinking of God's, uh, uh, God accepting them because of what they had done, but, but the rit ritualistic circumstances, maybe baptism, something else. They weren't accepting that what God's plan was, but they were trusting in other things. Faith, they weren't trusting only in faith, but they were trusting in church services, uh, ceremonies, rules, and regulations. You know, life's full of rules and regulations. You've got to have those, but it don't make you a better Christian to follow them. It just makes you look better. But what does hinder you in the race of life? The latter part of 1 Corinthians says, so run that you may obtain. Run that you may obtain. Don't let somebody cut in your lane of life. Don't let a tragedy, don't let something hinder you. But run. Philippians 2, 9 says, I have run, not in vain, neither labored in vain. 
That's just the latter part of it. Hebrews 11 or 12, 1 says, let us, uh, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Obeying the truth from God does not um, call to error. And I, I don't have time to, to dissect all of these verses here. But verse number 8 tells us, it says, For uh, this persuasion does not come from him who called you. Somebody persuading you to do something else or leading you to do something else, it doesn't come from the one who called you. It doesn't come from the one who loves you and gave himself for you. A little leaven, this scripture will talk about it in verse number 9. Obeying the truth, a little, a little unleavened corrupts the whole thing. Just a little bit messes the whole pot up. If you're baking something, I had a plan of baking something and using that as an illustration and putting just a little bit of something in there or even acting like it. But just a little bit of it ruins the whole thing. A little bit of law runs, runs the whole thing or ruins the whole thing. A little bit of rituals, just following the rituals and the ceremonies, hinder us, and it messes up the whole picture and sets us aside. Obeying the truth, uh, false teachers will be judged. 10 and 11, but let's look at 11. It says, they, shall, they that shall preach circumcision, why do you still suffer, uh, why do I still, uh, still feel persecuted? The, the analogy was that there were some people saying, Paul's teaching this. The Judaizers were coming in and saying, Paul still teaches circumcision. And then he asks the question, why am I now being persecuted because of that? If I do that, then why are they persecuting me for the preaching the cross? It's going to move on. Obeying the truth, the false, judge, false teachers will be judged in verse number 10 through 12. And then I want you to walk in love. Walk in love as we look at verse number 13 through 15. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Okay, I'm going to go back to the indeed. Listen up. Some of you went to sleep on me. Listen up. Because this, this is where it all comes to coalition. This is where it all comes in. So you, by, by serving others, what is this? Look at verse number 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only use your liberty as an opportunity. Do not use your liberty as an opportunity of the flesh, but through love serve one another. That you're here to serve somebody else. You're here to serve somebody else. Serve each other. Kind of goes back to uh, that, that passage, should we continue in sin? No. God forbid. By love, by loving each other as we love ourselves. Look at verse number 14. For all the law is justified in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that is not a ritual. 
That is the love that, that is that agape love that comes only through God. This is not the phileo love. This is not the brotherly love. This is the love that I love you like God loves you in spite of you. You know what? Some people are, are kind of hard to love, but we love them anyway because of the power and the Spirit of God. By not devouring each other. You know what the problem, one of the problems in the church is we shoot our wounded. We shoot our wounded, take them out back and bury them. But look at this, as verse uh, 15. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you consume, be consumed one another. How does the church of the living God reach a lost and a dying world when the church of the living God is consuming each other? When we're, we're fighting and bickering among each other, how do we win the lost when we can't even get along with the family? And I'm not, just, I'm not talking about living hope. We don't have those kind of problems, but let's recap this real quick. I'd like, to, I'd like to preach a little while on that point and kind of give you some details on that. But for the sake of time, we want to stand firm in freedom. Stand firm in being justified by Christ alone, not by the ceremonies or the deeds. Stand firm in your faith. Putting your faith and trust in Christ alone for your salvation. Running in the truth. Don't be distracted. Don't let something hinder you. Don't let things hinder you. And walk in love. Allowing God's power and His Spirit to work in and through you. Right now, so many times in our walk with God, we get set aside for one thing or another. Maybe a decision we made. Maybe we've done this. Maybe we've done that. Our theme for this year, so those of you who weren't here, is the year of the family, church, and home. Because you're, we're family. We've come here as a family. And we're here to help each other. Me and my brother, we try to help each other. Now, used to we like to kill each other. But now we try to help each other because we've matured past that. Will and Samuel, our two boys, used to kill each other. Now they help each other. And that's what we do when we grow up. Is we don't devour one another, but we love one another. And that's what God wants us to do as a family in the home. Allowing God to work in and through us. Right now we're going to, the worship team's coming. I want to pray for you. Right now, it's time to make a decision that, hey, I want, I want to just follow in Christ's grace. I don't want to be sidelined by something. I want to be able to run the race that is set before me. Taking the yoke of God, because His yoke is easy. God, I pray for each one that have gathered here today. God, as we stand together to worship You and to maybe come to the family banner or to the salvation banner, praying for those that may be lost in our family. We pray right now that you would just speak to hearts and lives.
draw us to yourself. You be glorified. You be magnified in and through all that we do. Prayer team, if you could go on to the sides, that would be wonderful. Run in the grace of God. Stand in the hope that we have. In the liberty of Christ has set us free. In the powerful and the wonderful name of Jesus, thank you. Lord, let us do in this invitation or decision time what we'll be glad we've done when we stand in your presence on that great and glorious day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together right now. Who the Son sets free, who is free.